I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, and this episode of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast is brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers, and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, and welcome to the very first episode of my brand new Lions podcast in partnership with Fuller's London Pride, the official beer of the British and Irish Lions. You know, playing for the Lions is a very special privilege. There are very few things that beat putting on that red jersey to represent Britain and Ireland. But I can tell you it takes skill, time and dedication to make it into that squad which, as it happens, are all the things that are going into brewing an outstanding amber ale like London Pride. A beer that sums me up, really, born in London and proud to have toured with the Lions on three occasions. So I'm delighted that this podcast is brought to you in partnership with London Pride, the official beer of the British and Irish Lions. Please drink responsibly. Hi, and welcome to the first episode of Lawrence Delalio's Lions podcast. Joining me are my very special guest, Ben Kay. Hello, Ben. Thank you, Lawrence. Hello. Nice to see you. And from the Evening Standard sports correspondent, Will McPherson. Guys, how are you both doing? Very good. Thank you, Lollipop. Very good. Thanks for having us, Lawrence. Very excited to be on your podcast. The excitement is all mine. Um, We've got another special guest joining us uh, a little later on. He's a big rugby fan, but someone who's better known for his career in another sport, one which also seems to be in the headlines this week. That's former England goalkeeper David James. Looking forward to chatting to David. Guys, um, I mean, obviously the Lions um, have arrived in, in South Africa. They've, they've taken off. They, they, they played their match um, against Japan in Murrayfield, which we'll come on to in a minute. But, um, Will, if I come to you first, it's, it's, you know, you're talking to them regularly on a daily basis uh, for the evening stand. And still a lot of un, uncertainty and apprehension, really, in, in South Africa in terms of the COVID situation over there. Um, what's the news from the Lions camp? Yeah, I mean, we knew this before they set off, but this really is a tour like no other, isn't it? I mean, the lockdown restrictions seem to be getting more stringent by the day. There's a lot of uncertainty around uh, where games are going to be played. Uh, and I think I think the Lions' job at the moment is, is blocking out the noise. It's always a professional sports person's job to block out the noise to an extent, but this is... This is another level, I think. They're, they're trying to keep themselves entertained. Obviously, they'll be staying in, in very plush surrounds. But, you know, you guys know better than anyone that Alliance Tour is about getting out and about and experiencing the country and interacting with uh, local fans and touring fans. That Sea of Red obviously isn't there. So this is just, it, it's so different and, and it's difficult. And uh, I, I think they're, they're trying to keep themselves chipper. Um but it'll be interesting to see how long that lasts. Obviously, there's a novelty element at the moment. They've only been in the country a few days, but uh, it might become tiring, I suspect. Yeah, and Ben, Benny, you and I obviously, you know, been on plenty of tours, and particularly British and Irish Lions tours. Um, 
I mean, this is completely different. I, I read somewhere that South Africa has gone into a level four lockdown, uh, total alcohol bans. That, yeah, that's horrific. No, no bad thing. <laughs> Probably no, <laughs> There's no, no, no bad thing for the players. But uh, Well, I don't know, Log, because you know, it is still the difference between the Lions and anything else is they go back to the old touring ethos. And, and yeah, we know they're professional athletes, but part of it is bringing a group of uh, players together that don't really know each other. And we all know that, you know, there are coaches out there that think the best way of doing that is to go out and have a few beers together on the first night. And, you know, even if uh, I think it's a sale of alcohol. So uh, hopefully, uh, you know, London Pride might have been able to uh, send some over as, as freebies and they're not being bought, but they're still within the confines of their resort and hotel and they can't go out. So they you don't break down some of those barriers that just a couple of pints on the first night you arrive might do. I also spoke to uh, some of the guys in camp uh, a little while ago and, and they're, they're actually, you know, they've, they've got their, their own uh, bedrooms in the hotel as well. They're not able to even share rooms. I mean, Benny, you and I, you know, would have, I mean, that first experience of being as a group together and, and, and getting to know some of the guys from, from Scotland, Ireland and Wales. I mean, all of that's kind of, you know, it's something that they're going to have to do on the hoof a little bit, really. Yeah, and you know, in 2005, Clive actually, we, we had a bit of both, didn't we? Like the, We started off together to, to break down some of those barriers and, and, and then, you know, Clive wanted it to be, you know, no expense spared and players could have their own rooms. And it, it was probably something that didn't really work. So it's been enforced on them this time. Uh, some players will like that. Uh, though it's not necessarily good for them mingling as part of the team, but some players like a bit of their own space. But, you know, it's a six-week tour. It's done differently to anything else. You've just got to buy totally into it. And I I guess, although I think Jamie George is on the entertainments committee, he he, he said it's the hardest job anyone could ever have because how do you entertain the lads (laughs) uh, when they're stuck in a hotel? But what's going to be just as important is getting everyone out of their bedrooms because if there's nothing really to go and do, and you, you you're rooming on your own, then the key is going to be getting that group together. And even if it's just stupid things like a, a game of cricket in the hallway or or a, you know a game of football somewhere near grounds, but something so that you're constantly just bouncing off each other and, and breaking down some of those barriers. Yeah, couldn't agree more. I feel like the card schools might be reformed again. Yeah, <laughs> although could be costly. It could be, it could be a costly be trip costly. for some of them. Um, <laughs> let's uh, let, let, let's talk about the uh, the game that they've played because they they, they did get off to a to a very good start against uh, Japan at Murrayfield. Just just to summarise very quickly, twenty eight points to ten. I think the Lions were up twenty one nil at half time. Uh, tries for Adams, Van der Merwe, Henshaw, and Byrne. And I think a man of the match performance by Dan Bigger. Um, but obviously the entire game, Will, was sort of overshadowed by two very high-profile injuries. The first one to Adam Wynne-Jones, second one to Justin Tipperick. You know, ben and I were working for BT Sport at the you know the, the Premiership final. And, and it, we were looking at the game on the big screen. And you sort of felt that, you know, yes, the Lions were doing well. But as soon as that injury occurred, you know, there was a sort of massive downer on the whole day, really. Yeah, I, I was up at Murrayfield uh, and Alan Wynn obviously went down after, I think, seven minutes, which is just, you know, the game's barely started and and, and the Lions captain is sort of being helped from the field. But, but we didn't really know what the injury was at first. Obviously, it was, um, we knew it was something to do with his, his left side, but um, 
it was strange. He, he appeared at full time and, and sort of held up the trophy, the, the 1888 Cup, with one hand. And it, it looked at that stage like he was very chipper and, and he might be OK. And then, and then about half an hour later, Gatlin was confirming that he, he was out of the tour and that they're going to have to have a major rethink, calling up players, which obviously eventually was Adam Beard. Uh, and then later on, Justin Tibbridge was confirmed as being out as well. He'd gone down, I think, 15 minutes after Alan Wynne Jones. It was just, it was a strange game, really, because uh, firstly, as you know, the, the, the atmosphere was the atmosphere was brilliant. There were loads of Scottish Lions fans, which is great to see. Quite a lot of English had made the trip and a few Welsh as well. Um, but the whole game was just kind of, it, it, it did have a very exhibition match feel. I thought it might have slightly more test match intensity, but it, it didn't. That was fine. Japan were maybe, you know, they, they were as much of a scratch team having not, played since the World Cup as well and then the injuries just kind of uh, overshadowed it a bit but yeah it was a good occasion um, and just slightly strange and a bit sad really watching two players who one who was a certain test starter obviously and another who would be very much in contention having their tours ended so early. Yeah, no, definitely was. I mean, Alan Wynn, you've got a feel for him, Benny. You know, you played in that position. Um, tell us a little bit about Adam Adam Beard, who, who replaces him, because I don't think many people would know a huge amount about him, really. No, look, I think one of the reasons, and you know, I don't want to belittle his rugby playing ability. He's, he's a good rugby player and he'll do a great job. But, you know, there was a lot of chat about some of the guys that had missed out on the original selection. And, you know, we knew that the, the second row place was going to be hotly contested. And I don't think, you know, of the guys that missed out, I don't think many people were thinking, were, were clamouring for Adam Beard to be involved because obviously you've got James Ryan, who, who 18 months ago, everyone was talking about who's going to, who's he going to play in the test team with? Is it going to be Marrow or is it going to be Alan Wynn? And then suddenly he's fallen away a bit and, and then Gray as well. So, um, you know, it was a little bit left field for some people. Having said that, he's a big player. He's big. And, and you know, the, the Lions are going down to South Africa. And one of my worries about Japan, actually, was for all their, their attacking style of rugby. Yes, they're physical. They're, they've got some of the most committed players in, in world rugby. And we saw that with some of the collisions that went in. But they just haven't got that physical size that South Africa have. And, and that's going to be huge. If you get bullied up front, and particularly, you know, we're not expecting Adam Beard to go straight into the test team if everyone else stays fit. Uh, otherwise, he would have been there all along. But particularly some of those midweek games, the significance of the Lions not being bullied midweek will be really, really important. Not being pushed around up front because if the Lions get a reputation as a bit of a soft touch, that just starts to play into the psyche of, of the box and, and, and the South African public. So uh, I think that's a, a major reason, just his physical presence on the field. Uh, but of course, you know, he, he, he's had a decent um, decent few games as well recently. So, so fully deserves the, his opportunity. And remember, you know, particularly positions like second row, it's not always the flashiest parts of their game that, that, that the coach wants. And, and Warren Gatlin will have been doing a lot more analysis on every individual player that's in contention than the rest of us are when we're just looking at the overall style of play of the individual international teams. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, this is the first of six um, matches before the Test Series starts. Um, and just quickly, anyone that really stood out for you? I mean, obviously, Warren Gatlin wants to try and give every single player the opportunity to put his hand up and be picked in that Test Series. Um, and these guys got their first run out. I suppose, from my point of view, Dan Bigger, um, you know, big selection around the number 10 jersey. I thought he looked outstanding. And 
you know, for me, probably at the, put a, put his credentials down as the first choice ten, really, for the for the trip. A hundred percent. I've been saying that all season. I'm so glad he went on and did it for the Lions because playing for Northampton, that the the adaptations he's made under Chris Boyd at Northampton to his game in terms of going wide and just being a bit. I think Chris Boyd said he's just a bit more optimistic now in terms of the opportunities, and we saw that with some of the the, the passing game. You know, we know he's got the skill set and we know he's got the kicking game uh, and he's tough. So that was great to see, and absolutely, I, I think no one really played themselves out. You know there were there were, which is cru- crucial in that first game, is it? No one had a bad game, which is good. Uh, I thought Bundy Key, some of his carrying was was good. Um, you know, so potentially we all wondered who might get the captaincy job with Alan Wynn, and people were surprised that Owen Farrell was, wasn't there or Hogg, and was that an indication of Test selection and what Warren's thinking? I, I don't think it's a certain a certainty in terms of. If he picks bigger, Owen Farrell will start at 12. I thought Aki had a, a, a really good game in terms of getting on the front foot. That's going to be crucial against South Africa as long as he stays on the field and doesn't get uh, another red card. That, that'll be crucial. Um, and then Courtney Laws actually was a guy that came off the bench, um, obviously hasn't had a lot of rugby because he's been out injured and didn't look like he was off the pace at all. So I thought he played really well. He finished the top tackler of the game, which is uh, yeah. a pretty amazing effort considering he only came on halfway through the match. I thought Ty Byrne uh, was outstanding. Again, he looks a really solid player and, and I think everyone will be delighted with Robbie Henshaw as well, um, you know, in terms of his defensive uh, performance. Um, and also, let's just talk very quickly about Conor Murray. I, I guess it's almost a, an indication that, that England just don't have that many leaders. They don't have, have that many players who have actually captain their country so Warren Gatlin was almost forced into a choice of he's never made a back a, cap, a captain of any of his sides which so you know he had to sort of break with tradition really but I suppose Conor Murray is as close to a forward as uh, as you can be really. One of the things that stood out to me about the conversation you just had there about the game itself um, was was the the number of Irish names you've mentioned and that kind of fits into Conor Murray's uh, ascendancy to the captaincy. I thought the Irish guys, I think it was a little bit of disquiet in Ireland when the squad was named. I think they felt a bit underrepresented, but I thought the guys who played on Saturday were, were straight into their work. I mean, I thought Jack Conan was excellent and he was actually carrying a bit of, in, of, in, of an injury, uh, Gatlin said afterwards. And then Murray was a bit of a left field choice as, as captain. I think everyone was, as soon as, Alan Wynne Jones was confirmed as being out. People were kind of scratching their heads a little bit about where where the Lions go from here. People mentioned Ken Owens, um, who is you know who's close to being a nailed on starter. I would suggest, but there aren't that many now guys who are absolutely certain to start. Mario Toji would be one, but he hasn't got Test captaincy experience. But then again, nor does Conor Murray. So I think Murray's a, a, a safe choice. This is his third tour. Uh, he is certain to start the test ahead of Gareth Davies and Ali Price, I would say. Um, and so while while it was, was it was it was an interesting choice and and breaks as you say with with kind of tradition for Gatland going for a back. It uh, I, I think it's a good option. I think it's a good choice. What do you guys think of that? I, I do a lot. I I, I I totally get it, and, and I agree about the Maro Atoji thing. I think you know people see the way Maro plays and expect that he'll be a great captain, but it, it is a bit untested. And and having said that, you know there's been a lion second row in the past with not a lot of uh, captaincy credentials that turned out all right with Martin Johnson uh, in in '97. So, but 
look, I, I just think um, my slight downside on, on Connor is what else is he going to bring that he wouldn't have done anyway? He's a referee influencer. He is brilliant at it because he's one of those few nines that does it in a way that doesn't upset the referee. So he just looks exasperated if the ball's not coming out quickly enough and often wins a penalty for his team. He doesn't go shouting and barking at the referee. And maybe that's something that stood against Owen Farrell. You know, Owen wears his heart on his sleeve and and, and will go after a referee. And we know how important it is to manage that. But I, I actually think this decision's maybe made on who Gats thinks can cope with all the off-field stuff that surrounds a Lions Tour captaincy, which is totally different to a normal captaincy. So who can take that extra burden on their shoulders and be a level head without it annoying them or getting in in the way of their preparation? Because actually, those leaders on the field, the likes of Dan Bigger, uh, Connor Murray, you know, Owen Farrell, if he's there, even Itoji, the way he plays, and uh, Ken Owens, they'll all do it anyway. On the field, it won't be that drastic. Uh, but I, th- I think it's the off-field stuff. Who can cope best with all the off-field distractions that a Lions captaincy entails? Well, before we talk too much more, let's bring in another guest, David James, a man used to pressure on the pitch. David, not many people know this, but it could have so easily ended up with you um, playing rugby, couldn't it? I understand. Um, I mean, clearly you're uh, you're as big as Ben K. Oh, where did it all go wrong for you, JMO? <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah. I mean, I, I, I do wonder where it all went wrong. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I used to. How can I put it? My, my granddad used to play for Wasps. It's not Lawrence, is it? <laughs> yeah, it doesn't, doesn't look that old. Come on. Um, yeah, so I, I kind of got into rugby. Loved it. I loved the physicality of it. Um, gave up the cello for rugby, which was. Another career path, which I missed out on. Yeah, but they just ended up playing football. So, yeah, it could have been rugby. Jamie, I must ask you, um, you know, we obviously here to talk about the Lions and about rugby, but the football, um, I mean, I'm assuming you watched the England-Germany game. Were you there? Were you at Wembley? Yeah, I went to the first game, uh, the the Croatia game, um, but I've been covering it for uh, an Indian sports channel. So I was literally sat here for, well, pre-match, watched the game at home, um, absolutely buzzing. I keep thinking, I mean, it's interesting, obviously, with the Lions talk, the parallels between the perception, the discourse around the game and what's going on in the camp. And I, I um, obviously, I did a little bit of homework um, because 97 was probably the, the Lions tour, which got my imagination in South Africa. Um, more so because we'd been out to South Africa in 94 with Liverpool. And obviously, after all the, um, the apartheid stuff. So I, I was watching a video on online. And it was amazing listening to the coaches talking and all the stuff that goes on, the togetherness about the team. And I've met Mike Johnson uh, many a few years ago, many years ago, and he talks about the spirit and all that stuff. And I just, when you're talking about England now playing against Germany, we from the outside, I mean, I've met some of the players in, uh, in the recent weeks and there seemed to be a tremendous spirit. And you know, when you see a group of players, you can feel the energy. Yeah, yeah. There was a, a fantastic buzz around them, and I thought if that's, I guess, because yeah, they haven't got the, they haven't got that sort of previous history of of playing in England sides that have, yeah, you know, been to tournaments and and not necessarily got the results that that they or, or, or the nation wanted. They, it almost feels new and this kind of freshness about them, and 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 they just seem to have that that lack of fear really. And and I suppose when a lot of them have won trophies at, at club level, uh, you know. It, makes a huge difference when you've got that kind of winning belief and mentality in, in your blood. Yeah, well, that, that's what I was going to ask because, you know, one of the challenges for Lions is bringing together 
players from four different nations and you've all got different styles and systems. I guess with, with, with the football, you know, you've got Man United players, Liverpool players, you know, bitter rivals. You've suddenly got to break that down. But equally, you've got to decide which tactics you use. How's that done? Is that all done by the, the or the, your experience was it all done by the coaches or was there a bit of senior player stuff? Or No, that, that'll be the coaches. I mean, it's an interesting parallel because if you think... I say this respectfully, there are certain players playing for certain teams who will have club teammates who are the best in the world. And, uh, you know, like during your career, when you're playing club rugby and then going to international Lions, all of a sudden, if your club team is massive, you go, you, you almost step down to play international football. On the flip side, of course, if you're coming from a smaller team, you're stepping up. And sometimes those training sessions, you're like, wow, how good are these players? And therefore, the, for the player, it's kind of, again, you've got to adjust to that system. Um, you know, a 22-year-old who's lighting up English Premier League or the Champions League even, once you put him into an international setup in a tournament, thinking, hang on a minute, all the people I used to play against or fans and that are now supporting me. It's a different kind of pressure. That, that training thing's key, isn't it? Because, you know, we all see them in games, but like... When, when there's no pressure on seeing some of the talent, like, you know, the first time you train with someone like Brian O'Driscoll and, and you know, the, the little touches that he'll do in training that he won't necessarily do in a game because, you know, he has to be a little bit more cautious in a game. But it's absolutely that. that and, and when you go away with the Lions, it gives you a massive buzz play, playing with some of those players that, uh, you know, are sort of the greats of your era. It also gives you a bit of a, you know, you suddenly realise you thought you were quite good, but you're actually not that good. <laughs> Do you know what, Lawrence, that, that is exactly the point. You, week in, week out, you're like, yeah, I'm the best in training at home. And then you go away with England, you've got someone like Wayne Rooney just back-heeling balls past, and you're thinking, hang on, what have I done wrong? You know, where, where did I think I was for the last six months? It's kind of, it gives you a, a reality check. On the flip side, when you start saving shots against them, then you're thinking, Do you know what, I actually feel good. But uh, yeah. Demo, where are, you, where are you? I'm assuming you're in the UK at the moment. Yeah. Where will you be watching the games? Will you, will you just be at home? I'll be watching them at home, yeah. Are we saying that we th we think there could be a, a Lions Test Series win and, a, and, a, and an England Euros win? Oh, it's in the bag, isn't it? It's in the bag. Close the we having a win, a win double. <laughs> well, I, I've got a saying. It's my, it's my sort of uh, my mantra at the moment that England are European champions until someone beats them. Like it, so it's kind of like I'm going with that kind of positivity that England are going to win. Guys, listen, JMO, it's been absolutely fascinating and enthralling as ever. Really, really appreciate you joining us. Great to see you, uh, and uh, and thanks for being part of it. Enjoy both tournaments, the uh, the Euros and the Lions. It'll be a fascinating watch. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra. And I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. 
Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, and this episode of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast is brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers, and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. So, Will, I understand you've got a bit of a challenge for, for Ben and I. Yeah, okay, so this part of the podcast, each week, we're going to put your Lions knowledge to the test with a challenge. This is the Dropkick Challenge with Fuller's London Pride, outstanding amber ale, the official beer of the British and Irish Lions. Here's how it works. Each week, I'm going to set you a question or challenge. Get the answer right and you'll earn three points. At the end of the series, one of you will be crowned our Dropkick Challenge winner. As it's the first week, I'm going to give you the chance to get a few points on the score sheet. This week, the challenge is around nicknames. We all know rugby players love to dish out nicknames. What did your teammates call you, Lawrence? You've got, you know, everyone calls you Lol. But Ben, what would, what was your nickname? I think it was Lollipop for Lawrence. To be <laughs> uh, I, I, well, I was Malud or Special. If I, if I was feeling a bit special and, and being a bit of a prima donna, I, I was Special K. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Special K. That works. Right. There are some pretty creative nicknames for players on this Lions tour. Uh, I'm going to give you the nickname. You're going to have to identify the player. We've got five. The first one, I think, is quite a well-known nickname. It's the Sheriff. Who's that? Mm-hmm. I have got that, I think. It's probably, yeah. probably the only one I'm going to get. <laughs> yeah, <right>. me too. <laughs> Go on then, folks. Ken Owens. Ken Owens. That's correct. I think it's quite a well-known nickname. Do you know, do you know why, why he's the sheriff? No, no. Pray tell. I think it's Dwayne Peel gave him this nickname early on uh, in his career. And it's because both his grandparents were mayor of Carmarthen, uh, and which is his hometown. He's absolutely obsessed with Carmarthen. So they call him a sheriff, uh, which is quite a good Very nickname. Good. <laughs> Number two, which Lions player is known as Briefcase? I do know this one. Any I ideas? This one I think Lawrence knows it even better. Yeah. Well, Lawrence, Lawrence played with him, so... Uh... Yeah, it's, it's uh, of course, former Wasps teammate and now Saracens, England and British Lions, Elliot Daly. Um, I, th- I still don't know why he's called a briefcase. Is it because he's a nerd or something? Or he's a bit nerdy? Or he just loves a bit of admin? Well, apparently, the story I heard was that he turned up at his first Wasps training session in his school uniform... Oh, that is carrying true. a briefcase, a bit like Will from the in between us. But I heard that. <laughs> <laughs> that is quality, <laughs> um, which is quite good. Lawrence used to turn up at Wasps training with a briefcase as well, but that was just to take home his paycheck. <laughs> it was that big, yeah, precisely. Yeah, yeah, yeah just hand it out. Our next nickname is One Man Band. Any ideas? It doesn't flow off the tongue that one, does it? Really? <laughs> no, it's it's heavy syllables. I, I'm going to guess Finn Russell. I'm going to guess um, Jamie George. You're both wrong, I'm afraid. It's uh, Robbie Henshaw, apparently because he's an unbelievable musician playing the accordion, the fiddle, the guitar and the piano. Man of many talents. Excellent. Well, listen, he'll be, uh, he'll be Jamie George's go-to man then yeah. for the entertainment. <laughs> yeah, <man>. true. <laughs> They're going to need his help. Our next nickname is The Llama. Oh, I do know this. Or oh, th- I'm going to guess. There's got to be one of the... Uh... It's probably one of, the, one of the second rows, Ben, isn't it, surely? I'm just guessing. One of the really handsome, good-looking ones. Um, I don't know. Go on, Ben, you go, because you'll probably... You probably oh, this, is, this is really left field. Uh, but I know that Luke Cowan-Dickey is a massive gamer. 
And uh, I know that I've seen him gaming on Fortnite and I know that the llama is on Fortnite somewhere because as you can tell by my headset, my son's into his gaming. <laughs> and I'm worried, so I'm either <laughs> guessing him or one of his extra teammates like Johnny Hill, who looks a little bit like a, a llama, but Luke Can Dickie gave him the nickname. Well, I'd go Johnny Hill or Ian Henderson. I've got absolutely no idea. Lawrence, you've got it right. It's Ian Henderson. Uh, apparently, Donica O'Callaghan oh. saw Ian Ian Henderson at breakfast one day at a training camp, tucking into a bowl of cornflakes, and was convinced he looked like a llama. So um, <laughs> the, the name stuck. But yeah, good shout oh, on the second You shouldn't think row. about rugby players' nicknames too much, because we're not that clever, <laughs> are we? <laughs> I bet he shoved the bits with that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you called the llama? Because I look like one. <laughs> um, and the final nickname we've got is Pinball. Pinball. No idea. No idea whatsoever. Jo- Josh Adams. I'll go Josh Adams. Ben? Uh, I'll go Bundy. Bundy Key. You're both wrong. It's Hamish Watson. Uh, for his ability to bounce off several players while, while he's got the ball in hand. He's the pinball wizard, which makes a bit of sense. There you okay. go. Um, so, I reckon... I don't think that was that successful, Lol. <laughs> you both started well we got uh, and improvement. tailed off a bit. Uh, I, I think Lawrence got three right and Ben got two, hey. by my count. So, he's, Did he? Lawrence yeah, he, wins 9-6 this week. You gave me Ian Henderson, didn't you? Yeah, I'm generously giving you Ian Henderson. You gave him Ian Henderson? Oh, Good so man. Lawrence has landed three Good of his man. drop kicks. First time for everything. Given that we're going to be performing that every single week, <laughs> there'll, be pl- <laughs> there'll be plenty of time to catch up. Don't you worry about that. Right. Well, listen, hot off the press, we have the uh, the Lions selection uh, for the first game in South Africa against the Hauteng Lions. Um, so the British and Irish Lions will play the Hauteng Lions. And uh, I guess we'll... Um, not too many uh, surprises in that selection. Warren Gatlin wants to wants to give everyone that opportunity, but obviously a few more Englishmen and a few more players who have just been included in the tour party, having played in, in various games, semi-finals and premiership finals. They've uh, now got the opportunity to be picked. Yeah, as you say, Gatlin said everyone's going to get a start in the first uh, three matches. So he's mixing it up this week. I think just looking, Josh Adams is starting again, but... Uh, there's not much else that's the same about the team. There's a, there's a, the, the first team had a big Irish and uh, Welsh flavour because that was who was available. And this time it's a bit more Scottish and English. Stuart Hogg's captaining the team from fullback. Finn Russell starting at 10 with Owen Farrell outside him. And I think there's five English players, including Courtney Laws on the blind side. We mentioned how well he played against Japan. So that's um, it's interesting that he gets another go again. And yeah, it's, it's a good looking side, isn't it? it it's Again, they've, they've opted for a for a, a second row or, or a big, strong second row on the blind side in Laws, uh, which gives, I think, a flavour of how uh, the Lions are planning to play in uh, in the test and are going to play. Interesting to see Finn Russell at 10 and what he's surrounded with. So, you know, was Owen Farrell going as as the 10 or, or is he there as a, as a centre as, as he's been playing for England more? Uh, the fact that he's partnered with Ali Price, who he knows very well for, from his Glasgow days, also Stuart Hogg in there. So surrounded with people that he, he should be able to shine with and should be able to get up to speed very quickly with. Um, so, yeah, really interesting. And, and, and that dynamic between 
Farrell, who's seen as a, a lot more conservative, and Russell, who's seen as the most outgoing and, and positive attacking player in, in probably uh, the British and Irish Lions squad. Really interesting dynamic there. Yeah, and no, it's good to see Gatlin has made uh, Stuart Hogg captain. Um, you know, clearly never any doubt that he was always going to be picked for the Lions. But there's a hint of a, of a feeling that ever since his selection for the Lions, maybe his performances at Exeter Chiefs have sort of tailed off a little bit and haven't quite been as prolific or as, as dominant as they were earlier on in the season. So I think Gatlin just wanted to put that one to bed, really, and just sort of get his confidence back up to to where it needs to be for, the, for this Lions tour. And Benny, um, five of the eight in the pack are, are English. Um, you know, your area, second row, you've got Johnny Hill paired with, with Mara Toji. I mean... Obviously, with Alan Wynn now having left the tour party injured, um, I guess as captain, he would have been a, a starter in the Test Series as long as he was playing well. Feels like there's a real competition now. for, for There's places up for grabs right from the get-go. Yeah, there is. And a big part of um, when, when you bring a, a Lions team together, a big part is trying to get merger of all the different line-out systems because different hookers like to throw different ways, different jumpers like to certain types of um, formations, certain types of jumping styles. So it would be very difficult to put a scratch pack together with such little preparation time. You know, the Saracens boys arriving late uh, after their um, uh, win in the championship and then obviously all the extra boys coming in as well. So uh, I think he's done the right thing in that trying to keep as many of those combinations together. So you've got Jamie George uh, giving Johnny Hill the best chance to, to run things there um, and obviously Marrow as well. So I, I like that. Um I guess as the tour goes on, then you start to tweak some of those combinations. But certainly in terms of getting those set piece things together, because the set piece is the foundation to the game. If the Lions go in, we know that they want to play the rugby, but if they go into this and lose all their set piece ball, nothing else clicks into place. So Stuart Hogg gets no confidence because he's got no attacking ball to play off. So I think it's quite a smart selection. Yeah, agreed. And and just looking at the back row, you know, Will, as you said, Courtney Laws, I think outstanding and clearly... Ben's point around the size and scale of South African team up front, you know, they're, they're going to have to go with an extra bit of height in the line out, I think, to, to, to make sure that their set piece goes well. So I wouldn't, you know, I would expect to see someone like Courtney Laws pushing for that selection in the back row just to give them not only a, a very capable back row forward, but also a, uh, uh, you know, that, that ability in, in the line out. And who knows, maybe even a Toji, if someone plays well in the second row, maybe. They may even force um, you know, the, the lion to look at Itoji in the back row. Ben, just quickly, a player that we know very well because we see a lot of him in, in the Premiership, Chris Harris. You know, he's got his first start. Um, a player that many people won't know a huge amount about necessarily because he's not necessarily one of the more high-profile names. But uh, he's got a real opportunity. Both him and Bundiaki, I think, the way that South Africa play, you can see that the selection of this squad is has had that in mind for sure. He's a huge defensive player. So we all know that 13 is probably the, the most difficult position on the field to defend because you, you're you constantly trying to defend that wide channel while thinking about the slower guys on your inside making the cover. So you're the link between um, between the, the, the wide channels and, and, and the forwards really and, and holding it all together. So often they tend to be your defensive captain and, and the guy that sort of runs the show and, and, and keeps across everyone. Uh, he's a great defensive player. I think probably we'd all admit that that, that 
on paper looks like the most conservative midfield partnership you, you could probably pick. Um, you know, Farrell has the distribution, but you're pairing it with a 10 and a 15 that are two of the uh, widest players and, and two of the, the loosest players, if you like. So uh, you've got plenty of pace in that back line as well and distribution to get the ball there in, in terms of Adams and, and Reese Samet. So I think it's quite exciting. You, you've got a good mix of, of whoever you play in South Africa, you know you're going to have to win the physical battle or at least match the physical battle. Despite them having that experience of super rugby, the Lions and things, you still know that Route 1 is the most important part to get momentum for South African teams to play off. So you need to stop that in midfield. And certainly Farrell and Harris won't go shy when they get the big ball carriers coming down their channel. Well, listen, we're really looking forward to that first game. But now it's time to have a quick chat about who we think will be the player of the game, the one to watch uh, for the British and Irish Lions against the Hauteng Lions. And, and I'm just going to push you a little bit further and maybe give us a player that you think will emerge as the one to watch throughout the entire tour. So one for this game this weekend uh, and one for the tour itself. Outstanding, the one to watch with Fuller's London Pride, the outstanding Amber Eel. Will, I'm going to put you on the spot. This weekend, I'm pretty excited about watching Hamish Watson play for the Lions, uh, our mate Pinball, uh, because he missed out last weekend because he, he got a concussion in, in training, so he didn't get to play in front of the Murrayfield crowd. But he's he's kind of the, the little guy in a pretty big pack there. Um, uh, so I'm looking forward to watching him. Across the tour, it's got to be Kyle Sinclair for me, because just what a story. I'm, I'm sure he's going to end up being involved in those test matches. Gatlin decided to leave him out initially. Uh, he gets his first start of the tour this weekend, um, so yeah, I'm really, I'm, I'm really looking forward. He just, I, I think Sinclair's just such a, a kind of great advert for the game at the moment. The way he talks, um, the, the way he kind of looks to lead his life, um, and, and I'm really looking forward to watching him play in South Africa. Benny, I was going to say Carl Sinclair for this game because uh, for exactly the same reasons. Actually, on top of that, I thought uh, Ty Furlong had a really good game. Uh, on, on against Japan. So he set down the benchmark and that competition between those two is only going to spur things on. And actually, I think you know, that tight head position is probably the pivotal position in this series because we saw what the Springboks did last time out, They last time they played in the, in the World Cup final against uh, England. Sinclair went off early, so you can't blame him. You know, he's, uh, he got knocked out, didn't he? And uh, England got torn apart of the scrum. So that is going to, and that, that's why they lost the game. I'd get, you know, if you had to put one reason where the game started to creak and disappear for England, it was around the scrum. So Sinclair knows that, uh, and he knows he's going to have to perform at the set piece, as does Furlong, but they both offer so much around the field, and they'll be goading each other to try and get that um, uh, first test selection. So I think that's going to be absolutely pivotal. In terms of the whole tour, um, look, I'm, I'm really interested to see Josh Adams because, you know, he's not a nailed on test starter, I don't think, but he's a guy that keeps on scoring and, you know, keeps on picking up these tries. So he could be one of those guys that suddenly, you know, a, a couple of decent games with a couple of tries and people are saying, well, you just can't leave him out. But I also would love to see, I, I'm desperate to see how Sam Simmons gets on. We, we've all built him up. We've all said, why is he not being picked by England? He's now got to go and do it 
in a different environment. Exeter build their game around Sam Simmons and his try-scoring ability. The Lions won't do that quite as much. Can he perform at this level when everything's not set up perfectly for him? And if he can, he's going to have a great tour. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, obviously, you know, slightly biased, but I'm very excited to see how he goes. I think, for me, this game, uh, we've already mentioned him. Courtney Laws um, is just sometimes getting injured can be a blessing. And I think that, you know, he picked up a, a long-term injury. Uh, so he's missed a, a large chunk of the season, but he's got himself fit and ready to go just at the right time. You could see the energy that he brought to the game at the weekend uh, was fantastic. And I just think, I just hope and pray that he stays in one piece because I, I really want to see him vying for a test jersey against the Springboks because I think he's just the sort of player that you need, um, you know, if they're to come out on top. And I think across the whole tour, um, you know, I'm going to go with with the youngest lion on tour, Louis Rizamit. I just think he, at the age of 20, I mean, I was, I don't know how, what age were you, Ben, when you made your Lions debut? Uh, I would have been 24, what was I, 25, 26? Yeah, so I was I was 24 um, and, you know, you think you know everything at that age. But, I mean, to be 20 years of age, I mean, one, he's got to carry Bill, the uh, the cuddly lion, around the, around the entire tour, which is probably not that difficult because he, he won't be leaving the hotel. But uh, he, uh, I think for him uh, to be on tour, uh, just that stardust uh, in the back three, uh, the, the, that wonderful try he's already scored in, in the Six Nations and, and obviously up against the likes of... Cheslin, Colby and and others are just really looking forward to seeing how he goes for sure. Well, there we have it. They are our outstanding selections for this match and for the tour itself. So look out and hopefully um, we'll be somewhere close to the mark. Well, that's all for this episode, Ben. Will, thanks for everything. Let's do it all again next week. Cheers, Lowell. I cannot wait. <laughs> Lawrence Delalio's Lions podcast brought to you in partnership with Fuller's London Pride, the official beer of the British and Irish Lions. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, and this episode of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast is brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.